A popular Outcast production. Thanks for listening to Portable Power. Uh, this is episode 17, and we're recording on February 12th, 2014. I'm Kevin Seibert, and with me is... Mark Matters. And Emmer Smith. Uh, Mark, how are you doing? I am well. That's what they say on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll start with the question of the week for you. What is your favorite game series, and what are the best and worst games in that series? My favorite game series would be Metroid. My favorite game in the Metroid series, it's not necessarily the best. The best game in the Metroid series is Super Metroid. My favorite game in the Metroid series is Metroid Prime 3. Mm. Now, the worst game in the Metroid series, I've never played the pinball game, so I don't know about that, but um, the original for the NES, and I'm really sorry to Josh (laughs) from Crescent Moon (laughs) Games, but I find that game practically unplayable. It is really difficult. I, I, I played it as part of the um, 3DS Ambassador set. Right. And made absolutely no progress. I just died instantaneously. Yeah, in this day and age, you need a guide and restore points. It, it was, it, my, my performance was embarrassing. Are you drinking tonight? Well, let's see here. I got, tonight, I got with me uh, Budweiser. It's the, it's the king of beers, you see. <laughs> And uh, this was left over from my Super Bowl party I had last week. And, um, oh my goodness. This is brewed in St. Louis, Missouri, America, um, by, I believe, a tribe of Navajo Indians and Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> what would it take for you to talk like that all the time, Mark? I've thought about different episodes having different personas, but I, I th- also thought that was a little pretentious, so I, I decided not to do it. The Uncanny X cast does that kind of thing. Well, for the Harry Potter one, I was like, I'm, I'm doing the British accent. I'm doing it. And then I chickened out. Oh, oh. that We all could have done British accents. Mark, that been ideal. do you know what I'm feeling right now? <laughs> I don't know. Profound sadness! <laughs> <laughs> That's a little Street Fighter Four joke there. Indeed. This beer is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I have I have had Budweisers before, and I do not find their flavor to be overly pleasant. This is like soda pop. Like, how do you how do you still maintain like your man card when you're drinking something? This is this is like the, the girly drink of beer. No, dude, it's be, it's marketing. Marketing tells you that mm. that is the manly drink. Right. Oh well. For the record, I do kind of like Budweiser a little bit. It's not my favorite, but among, like, inexpensive beers, I will pick Budweiser on occasion. Well, I could chug this right now. It's no problem. This is, this is like Sprite. Well, yeah. That's really the only way to drink them, because then you don't have to taste it. Yeah. Pound a 36-er. Mess you <laughs> up, right? Yeah. Anyway, Emrys, what's going on? Not much. Just podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Hey, me too. I know, it's weird. <laughs> we should do this more often. We can't. Like maybe twice a month. We can't possibly yeah. do this more often. <laughs> no, that's true. Unless I'm doing this full time and Nintendo is buying me games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I can't draw or edit that fast. All right, same question for you, Emrys. Um, what is your favorite video game series, and what are the best and worst games? Yeah, I'm going to go with Resident Evil for my Ooh. favorite video game series. I think the best game is Resident Evil 4, and uh, that is because it changed up the control scheme and changed up a lot of the Resident Evil formula. Right. And it did it in a really... Um, it was really well executed. It's just a really fun game. And I have a lot of fond memories playing it with my my roommates. And it's just really good. Uh, the worst Resident Evil... I'm just going to go ahead and say Resident Evil 5. Mm. Because it's just kind of a retread of Resident Evil 4. And one time, my friend and I spent an entire evening playing Resident Evil 4 all the way through. He like came to visit me in Pittsburgh, and we <laughs> we sat down with a big pizza at like four in the afternoon, and played Resident Evil until about eight in the morning. Oh man! <laughs> Just straight through, and it was um, by the end it was quite it was quite taxing. So yeah, I don't have any fond memories of that game. The only thing that got me through five was uh, the co-op. I, I, I liked uh-huh. the co-op, but it was it was just an, a prettier four. But not as good. Right. Right. I hear six yeah. is even worse. Yeah, well, six is. Uh, I haven't played it, and uh, it's been controversial because there was like weird melee combat put mm-hmm. in there. I don't know. I never played it. It's. I, I have a feeling it's not as bad as people say it is. Are you drinking this evening? I'm drinking hot chocolate. Sweet. It has marshmallows in it. Alcoholic marshmallows? Are they pinnacle whipped marshmallows? They're just regular fluffy marshmallows. Mm. Sticky and sweet. Well, Kevin, let's hear your answer for question of the week. Well, my favorite series, this was a pretty tough one to decide, but I think as far as longevity, I'd have to say Zelda is my favorite series. Nice. I It, it came down to Zelda or Mega Man. Zelda's just stayed with me a little bit longer, I think, because there hasn't really been a great Mega Man game in a number of years now. Nine or ten, maybe. I but I didn't play them. I just hear they were pretty good. I I played nine for a little bit and it was fine. You know, the, the last Mega Man game that I really loved was well, probably X, which was you know nineteen ninety three, ninety four. <laughs> right. So it's been a while. So Zelda ended up winning out, and best game in the series for that is A Link to the Past. That is the truth by far, because like that game established the Zelda formula that is still being observed in basically every game that has come out since then. Yeah. It did storytelling in really unique ways, and it didn't hit you over the head with the story, and it left a lot of freedom to explore. So, you know, that that's why it's not just my favorite game of the Zelda series, but my favorite game of all time. Worst game in the series was really hard to determine, because... With a series as good as Zelda, like what do you, what game do you, like even the worst game is still phenomenal. I'm willing to bet you never played the the two worst games in the series, but the the CD-ROM ones, the CDI games, yeah. Yeah, no, th- those don't count. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I unfortunately have to say that probably the worst game in the series is Twilight Princess. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that would be unpopular with the Mark demographic. Yeah. Well. And my, my logic behind it is that it was just, it was so derivative of Ocarina of Time. How far did you get in that game again? I got the Master Sword, and I got to the Forest Temple, 
and the part where the can't remember the names of the ghosts. The pose. The pose put the flames out, and I was like, didn't I just do this on my replay mm-hmm. of Ocarina of Time? And the answer was yes, I had. <laughs> so I quit. Fine, whatever. <laughs> I really liked Midna as a character, though. She's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she was way better than Navi. She's the best companion. <laughs> if you're going to have to have a companion, she's the, the best. Yeah, and, and if I played Twilight Princess first, I'm sure I would have loved it. But, yeah, yeah, it just, it didn't change up enough things for me. Okay, okay. And uh, tonight I'm drinking Macallan 12-year single malt, same as last episode. Excellent. Well, at least that proves you're not an alcoholic, because you still have some left over. Well, we don't necessarily know this is the same bottle, but we're going to say that it is. Man, if you're going through that much scotch, you, you can afford to buy your Nintendo games. That would be truth. <laughs> Hey, so either one of you guys have a have a phone with Flappy Bird on it? Flappy Bird? I know, right? We could be rich. Yeah, I looked at the eBay listings this morning, and there's a whole bunch that are going for hundreds of dollars, and none of them have any bids. I I looked through the first. Uh, I went to like the bid, the auctions that were ending the soonest, and literally all of them had zero bids. That gives me a little hope for the world. Well. You know, I, I after hearing more about the guy who made the game, I really felt bad for him. But I have no apology about the game itself. But it it it, it is what it was supposed to be, and that's not his fault right. that it got gigantic. I, I'm kind of interested to know how that even happened. Like, how does the internet decide that something that terrible is good? <sighs> I really don't know. But it almost ruined his life, so he took it away. Couldn't have possibly almost ruined <laughs> his life. He was getting a lot of, like, internet hate. You know, typical internet hate. That, and he was really disappointed that people were playing it so much. Like, he designed it as a game you play for, like, a couple seconds, and it's, like, a whatever kind of game. And people were Mm -hmm. emailing him and being like, oh, I've been playing this for hours, and I can't beat this level. And he would be like, he'd message him back and be like, please take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a decent guy, but I I mean, I just... when, When somebody blatantly rips off artwork... I have a problem with that. Yeah, the pipes. Well, let's jump into our reviews for the uh, week. I don't know, I keep saying the week, the month, whatever. It's like a bye week. Yeah. (laughs) It's bye week here at Portable Power. (laughs) (laughs) This week's just a little curious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm curious to hear about Emrys' game. So for my game for this episode, I'm reviewing Heroes of Order and Chaos for Android by Gameloft. It is a free-to-play game. You can download it from the App Store or from Google Play. It is a MOBA game. I'm going to take a minute to talk about MOBAs because they're sort of a unique type of game. Uh, And the way they work is that you play as a, a character and you battle with a team versus another team of characters. And so MOBAs have like a roster. It's sort of like a fighting game. You get to pick which character you want to play as. And then over the course of the game, you level up that character and you get abilities and you can get gold and buy items. You have It's a team game, so like typically five people on your team, five people on the other team, and you have to knock down your enemy's towers 
and you want to destroy their nexus or whatever is at the center of their base. Is that is that a do you think that's a clear enough description of a MOBA? I have a perfect picture of a MOBA in my head right now. I also play League of Legends every day. <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, League of Legends. We've talked about it before. It's a it's a game that we're all well, except for Mark. He's avoided the perils mm. of addiction so far. But <laughs> Kevin and I play it way way too much. So I have some pretty strong feelings about how a MOBA should be, and I went into them expecting that this game would neither meet my expectations nor succeed at impressing me in any other way. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was right. First of all, it's complicated. The opening menu, like, I, I played all the way through the tutorial, which was pretty basic. It's just like, okay, yeah, yeah it's, it's a MOBA. And then I got to this menu where there were so many options, and there's things like talents and something called tablets, which were never adequately explained to me. And then, of course, the shop is full of, like, bundles of stuff that you can buy, and it's is the first thing that you're slapped in the face with when you like get into the game. So microtransactions. Yeah, yeah, all the microtransactions really. That's how you know you're playing a game loft game. Right. So there was one thing that made me really apprehensive at first glance, which is these tokens that you can get to respawn instantly. And that's a huge thing in a MOBA game because time is how you earn money and experience points. And so if you can just skip a bunch of time by spending cash, then you're just, it's just a pay-to-win game. Yeah. Now, I did find out that there's only, like, you can only get, like, a maximum of ten of these tokens on your account forever. Huh. It's still weird that they have them. Like, I don't, I don't know why they exist. There might, there must be some other way. Like, there's some kind of daily reward gambling thing where you can get them from. And you can, of course, pay money to get any other, like, skins and all these characters, and this is a lot of stuff that you can buy if you want to. And I ignored all of it to just get into the game, Yeah. because I really didn't have a lot of patience for it. I played two AI games where I was the only, like, human player, and I got crushed hmm. <laughs> horribly both times. And the reason for that is the controls totally... You know, unexpectedly, for a mobile game, the controls are awful. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have thought. Everything is done via tapping. So, you, like, you tap to move, and then you can also move using, like, a virtual D-pad. And I found all the time that I would, like, try to... And you can, like, select your target by tapping a little button, and it, like, just changes targets. So I was trying to, like, get to the target so I could kill it and get the gold for it and then I'd be on the wrong target and then I'd yeah. be too far away and then I'd try to attack and I would move up closer and then I wouldn't be able to move around normally because I don't know. It's a very similar control scheme to um, if you've played the DS Zelda games how you tap to move to a place and tap to attack an enemy and that kind of thing except in those games it actually worked. Right, because of the stylus. The mm -hmm. stylus gives you like pinpoint precision on that that screen but mm. my giant thumbs i would like i'd like tap on an enemy and end up walking towards the enemy and then they would use all their spells to kill me <laughs> while i'm like trying to tap away i'm like trying to move back out of range and shoot them and part of it is just that i did not 
take the time to learn the controls, you know, which just makes me a noob. And that's that that was really frustrating to feel like, okay, so this is a this is a hardcore game for like because MOBAs are for they're for hardcore players. Like you can't just play one of these casually. It's an extremely frustrating experience. Mm-hmm. So putting it on a mobile system where everything is just smaller and harder to do, it seems like it's like to hardcores for people who are have Aspergers. I guess. <laughs> um, and I found that everything on the screen was too small. So because it's a to hardcores game, there are all these like different stats and stuff to keep track of and yeah and trying to like fit it all on this tiny phone screen just does not work like the whole right side of the screen are your ability buttons and it was just uh the little minions are so small that you can't even see their health bars they're just tiny yeah what do you think um now you can get this on your tablet do you think that yeah i think the control scheme would still be broken but I, I was thinking about that, that playing on a tablet would probably be a better experience. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yeah, but if you have a tablet, like, just get it for your computer. Like, play <laughs> it on a laptop. Play a real MOBA game. Like, I don't think this would be satisfying for anybody who actually wanted a MOBA experience. What about the poor bastard who stumbles on a MOBA game by accident and isn't to hardcores? Oh, they're just going to get their face eaten. I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of person would, like, come to that through Heroes of Order and Chaos and then stick with the game long enough to get good at it. Yeah. I'm just really curious about who that person is and why they're not playing, like, Dota or, or League of Legends. I had a hope going in. Like, I was hoping that they would find some way of making the control scheme work or, like, doing something original with the genre for the mobile system, and yeah, it was just really a pretty straightforward knockoff of League of Legends. And it had some interesting, like, quirks. Like, the respawn timers are really long. Oh, they gotta be, yeah. So you'll pay. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, ten minutes into a game and I'm I'm taking over a minute to respawn? That's terrible. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, in League of Legends, like, you're looking at, like, a half-an-hour game, and your respawn timers are still only, like, 45 seconds. I don't know why they're so long. I guess just to, like, make the game snowball harder. Well, you gotta keep in mind that people are playing this in line at the grocery store. You can't possibly. (laughs) It it takes up all of your attention. Kind of does, yeah. That was a joke. Just failed. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing is that it crushed my battery life. I played like two rounds on one charge of battery, and it went from probably 80% down to like 20%. That's weird. Just using it for like 45 minutes. The music, the production quality is okay. The music was unmemorable. The graphics are like sort of, they're okay. They're good for a, a mobile game. I found the voice acting for like the champion select screen to be really obnoxious. <laughs> it just didn't have... it. There, Play League of Legends. If you don't have a laptop, they cost like $400. It's cheaper than a tablet. It is. Play League of Legends, download Steam, play Dota 2, and um, don't give any money to Gameloft, because I don't know why. I don't know why you would. <laughs> so this game has a story mode. Did you play the story mode? I, I don't know. I played something called solo mode. 
So I guess I guess that was like competitive. I didn't really see the story mode. Tell me about it. Um, well, I'll tell you what happened with me is I booted it up <laughs> and I said, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna I'm gonna see what it's like to play a MOBA because I've never played a MOBA and I, I knew this would be nerfed a little bit. I didn't know how much. It bur- puts me in a story mode and it's like it's like I'm playing like a really crappy Diablo game. Are you talking about the tutorial? Maybe. I don't know. I'd quit. <laughs> I played <laughs> I played for half an hour and I'm like this is stupid. I'm not fighting other people. I'm like go here, fight three monsters, defend this tower, destroy this tower. Now you can pick a different thing that does stuff. <laughs> I don't know. It was just I, I think... not well done and I was lost and I quit. <laughs> I think that was the tutorial, dude. <laughs> okay. So I didn't even get through the tutorial. <laughs> But it's not at all how I pictured a MOBA, you know, the the tutorial, because it's like, there was a lot of talking, so it was like stop and go, a lot of like mission-based stuff, go here and do this, go here and do this, and then like the whole like being on a team and stuff, it was just kind of like here, it was just like Diablo, like here, these three guys are going to just pound on this guy with like auto attacks, and I don't know, it was no good. I can't speak to Heroes of Order and Chaos, but that's not a MOBA. Maybe the tutorial just flows a little bit differently. Well, the League of Legends tutorial is kind of similar to that. They like they explain, you know, how to move around, that you have to take down towers, and like how to use your abilities and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But right, it doesn't address any of the team play functions of it. Like that's something you kind of have to learn yourself playing the game. Yeah. Suffice it to say, the game is not inviting. <laughs> <laughs> how many out of how many what's does it get? It gets five dead teammates out of five. Dang, son. That's a lot of dead teammates. <laughs> it's like a negative five, then. That's a TPK. Do you ever watch um, anything on Felicia Day's YouTube network, Geek and Sundry? No, no. They have this show called Co-Optitude, where it's just her and her brother, and they play old games together and do silly commentary along with it. And I'm pretty sure they stole your rating system. <laughs> I don't know if, if 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 it's totally totally original to you, but uh, just today I was watching. They were they were switching off playing. I think Final Fantasy VII, but it, I was like, that is Emrys's review review scale. How dare they? Well, didn't you know Felicia's a big fan? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. she's a big fan of me. <laughs> this podcast isn't called Delusional Loners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was mean. Okay. Oh no, it was perfect. (laughs) Well, I played a game these past couple weeks called Knights of Pen and Paper Plus One Edition for iOS. Um, You can also get it on Andro... Andro... Androgynous? Android? (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Android, Windows, or Mac. Um, this is a request from Jeff Kunkel, doing the iOS version, like I said, which is $3 on the App Store, so this is premium. Oh. So the tagline on the website for this game goes, play a game about gamers playing a game. And yeah, that sums it up well. The end. Okay, just kidding. Um, Knights <laughs> of Pen and Paper is essentially this superficial recreation of the experience of playing a tabletop pen and paper RPG like Dungeons and Dragons. However, um, 
this digital recreation is only one player, so you take on the role of both Dungeon Master and the player characters all at the same time. And that sounds that sounds more complicated than it is. It's, it's, it was kind of weird to me at first, but it plays really well and it gets you right into it. So essentially there's a campaign predetermined by the game. And as far as I know, it's the only campaign. There's not really any deviation from it. And I found that mildly disappointing. It kind of feels like it um, nerfs your role as the Dungeon Master. Like, you know, yeah. not as much creativity as I would think they'd get yeah, in that role. But as I don't plan to play this game multiple times, it's pretty forgivable. Um, your actual role as Dungeon Master applies... It's more in how you approach the campaign. The AI portion of the DM just sort of narrates the game, moves the story along. Uh, the part that you get to control allows you to decide um, just the actions to take to get there. So whether you want to take the main quest on, battle for experience and loot, uh, you can sleep to recover health and magic, travel, equip or use items, or change the settings. These are all things you do through the Dungeon Master. Uh, many of these tasks involve this involuntary automatic rolling of dice to decide whether or not you're attacked in the process of, say, traveling or sleeping. Part of me sort of longed for this tactile experience of touchscreen dice rolling that you get in the Crimson Shroud for the 3DS, which I don't think you guys played, but you actually get to roll the dice in that game. This game just does it automatically. Knights of Pen and Paper takes place in just a nondescript room in our reality, but as soon as the storytelling and, and all the battling begins, the default background changes accordingly to any number of locales from quaint towns, ominous caves, murky forests, and I thought this was a clever way to simulate the player's imaginations running wild, as well as a shortcut for the player not having to read extensive lines of text giving description, descriptions of things like sand dunes and trees. The battling in the game is turn-based. If you've played any RPG in the past 25 years, you'll have no issues learning the battle system. Um, you have five players seated at the table at any given time, and they can take on one of several real-world personas that you get to choose. You can choose from nerd, hipster, rocker, jock, <laughs> all these different things. There's even a Chewbacca in there for some stupid reason. And they each have, <laughs> they each have their own uh, sort of unique dialogue and reactions to the events, and they all each have specific perks sort of based off their personalities. And any of them can take on the multiple sort of traditional RPG classes like mage, warrior, paladin, cleric. And each character gains through those classes four abilities like spells or maybe just a really powerful melee attack or the ability to hit more than one enemy at one time. The quests within the main quests, they have a decent amount of variety. There's always the um, the in between, you know, the main thing you're supposed to be doing, there's, you can kill monsters, you know, and grind that quest to gain experience and stuff, but you can also do, like, escort quests and quests to achieve, like, specific items from specific places. Actually, today I was playing, and the character's name was Millbury, and <laughs> it was Bill Murray from Ghostbusters, and they, they did wow. the whole line about, like, what would happen if you crossed the streams. And So the, the writing's <laughs> pretty clever. The look of the game is like a sort of a really nice 8-bit game. And the, the these pixel graphics really sort of drive the nostalgia home. The actual art style within that is sort of by the book, but um, that being said, the developers crammed like a bajillion fantasy references into the game's characters and backgrounds. There's, like I said, Ghostbusters, but there's I've seen stuff from Stargate, 
the Muppets, Doctor Who, Mortal Kombat, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Lord of the Rings. There's tons of like little things just thrown in there, either quotes or characters or um, background imagery that you know pays homage to those. Similarly to the graphics, the sound is sort of composed of retro chiptune melodies that you know go really well with the atmosphere, but they don't really evoke much emotion and none of them are really memorable. The controls are my one complaint about the game. Uh, the interface is is clean and inreadable, but the the touchscreen controls just feel imprecise. I don't know. Often I'd be like trying to attack a monster and have to tap the screen my iPhone 5S multiple times so it would register the input. Occasionally it would respond in ways I didn't even want, like it would attack the wrong monster or it would open a menu or something like that. Use an item that I didn't want it to use. So I had some issues with the controls. Oh, that's frustrating. Wow. Yeah customization abounds not only in the confines of the, the, the game they're playing, but it extends as well to like the, the meta game, you could say. The very room that all the all the characters are playing in can be decorated with like nicer furniture, you can get pets, you can add like wallpaper, snacks for the table, and all this like nerdy decor to put around the room. And even the the dungeon master can be changed to different characters for certain perks you know, and stats, stat adjustments and stuff. The best part is at $3, there are, of course, no microtransactions for any of this. So you can you can buy a, a nice, fancy golden table that gives you whatever, extra dice rolls or something, and it doesn't charge you $50 of reward money to do it. That's nice. Yeah, it is. It's refreshing. So the final verdict, uh, I've never played Dungeons & Dragons in, in real life. Um, not for not wanting to, just for never, it just never really happened for me. Um, but Knights in Pen and Paper was a lot of fun. Most of my knowledge of D&D comes from stuff I've overheard from friends and family or watching Big Bang Theory. Screw you, haters. Um, <laughs> uh, on a scale of, I don't know, one to infinity, I don't know. I liked it a lot, but I didn't fall in love with it. You know, everything was in the right place. It did kind of did everything right, but it didn't hit a home run. It was like... It was like more like a double or some other sports <laughs> reference. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of content to it. Yeah, there really is. There's a lot of customization. And in the Plus One Edition, which is the version I played, they added even more customization. You know, uh, originally you couldn't change characters or change their classes, and now you have that ability. Oh, wow. I don't see much replay value unless there is, like, a second quest or something. You know, after you finish the main quest, you're going to get the same jokes and the same stuff, and I don't know. My bottle cap just fell into my beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's tainted. Now it's going to taste all metallic. Yeah, oh well. It might be an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't really do a whole lot to damage a Budweiser's flavor. <laughs> Wasn't there something called Budweiser for a while? Was there? I don't know. Maybe I just saw on like a shirt at a flea market or something. I haven't heard of this before. Yeah, I, I'm not... Well, I'm glad I could come through on that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Kevin, let's hear about Glyph Quest. Before I start my review, uh, can I go off on a tangent for a moment? Mm-hmm. All right. So... 
don't know, there's something I just kind of had to get off my chest. Like, I don't really know who I, I don't really know who else to talk to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the other night, I was out alone at a bar downtown. I'd obviously had a great day because sitting at a bar and drinking alone is what one does after having a great day. Right. I looked up momentarily from staring into my drink, and then she caught my eye. I won't lie and say that she was the prettiest girl I've ever seen, but she was easily a Pennsylvania nine. (laughs) (laughs) I just swallowed the beer cap. (laughs) At that moment, she looked over as, as well, and our eyes met. She smiled at me, and I found myself doing something highly uncharacteristic of myself. I got up from my bar stool and walked a couple of seats down to where she was. When I got up, she appeared startled at first, but her eyes brightened as I approached, and I sat down and introduced myself. Then I asked if I could buy her a drink, and she assented to that, so we, I sat and we talked for a while. Uh, we really seemed to hit it off. You know, She laughed at my jokes, and we argued animatedly about the best episode of Joss Whedon's Firefly, and I thought to myself, this is amazing. I never expected to meet someone that I had such a great connection with in a bar of all places, and I think right. she's into me too. There was a lull in our conversation, and she took a breath and leaned in to whisper in my ear, Would you like to get out of here? Sure, I replied. Great, but there's the matter of payment, she said. What do you mean, I asked. I had been talking to a call girl all this time, making future plans around a woman who would only make plans with a guy like me one night at a time and only if money changed hands. But in that moment, that awful, wretched moment, I was just lonely and depressed enough to agree to her terms. This is an allegory for Glyph Quest. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> for the record, a Pennsylvania Nine is any sort of fitness regimen. <laughs> I walk from my car to work every day. <laughs> I do a sit-up, half a sit-up in the morning, half a sit-up when I lay down at night. I like to do curls while I'm taking a dump. <laughs> That qualifies. That's Pennsylvania 9 material right there. So GlyphQuest is available on the App Store as a free download. Until you reach level 5, then you have to pay $1.99 to continue. Yep. It's it's a game uh, kind of like Puzzle Quest. It's a mashup genre of puzzle and RPG. It sort of manifests itself as these colored orbs known as glyphs that represent six different elements fire, water, earth, wind, light, and dark. You you choose to play as either a wizard or a witch, and you go around doing quests. The quests are new experience points. You level up. Although it's a little different from the average RPG, you level up by casting spells, you know, by matching uh, same colored glyphs to cast spells. And every glyph that you match adds on to your score for um, mastery of that element. And then once you reach a certain point, that element levels up and so does your character. So you gain additional hit points and, you know, magical attack and, and whatnot. So it's, it's pretty basic, but there is, there is you know, some element of strategy to it. You know, like more, t- more orbs that you match up at a time, the more powerful the spell... Later in the game, you gain the ability to mix and match elements, which creates um, powerful spells that have status effects. Like if you combine um, water and light, it casts a regen spell on you. If you combine uh, light and earth, vines spring up and restrain your enemy, and they might not be able to attack you for a couple of turns. 
Can you even get to that point without paying? No. Because I didn't. I, I wasn't <laughs> able to combine elements. <laughs> no, you... I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you can't anyway. Um, although I, I didn't try. And that was my biggest problem with this game, is that on the App Store, it says free. And it's just... It's really shitty, the way they made it a premium game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because, you know, you get five levels in, and it's like, you have to buy a mage's license to go any further in the game. And I'm like, alright, I'll get a mage's license. Like, no, with real money. And at that moment, I was furious. I was betrayed. I was just, <laughs> I, I was, I had my finger poised over my iPhone to delete the game. And then I thought to myself, I mean, it's $2. <laughs> and I've paid a lot more for a lot worse. Don't don't you even mention Monster Hunter? <laughs> no, I, I I I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of Mega Man X for iOS, Ooh. <laughs> which is five dollars for mm -hmm. bullshit mm -hmm. and fuck all. <laughs> I thought about it and I was like, would I pay two dollars for this game? And the answer was yes, I would pay two dollars for this game. It's just that the presentation of the charge was completely tacky. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I did buy the game, and I had fun with it. It was fine. But, like, there's this little part of me that just resents the business decision. And it's not, like, a groundbreaking game by any means. Like, if you have Puzzle Quest already, I don't know that you need to get this. Like, it's a similar concept. It has less customization. Like, you know, you can buy upgrades for your character. And and the thing is, after the dollar ninety nine. You never pay another thing. They don't even give you another option to do a microtransaction. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, that's that's pretty stand up of them to like not pester you after that. But it's just that's that dollar ninety nine is a really hard pill to swallow. There's no real customization path. Like you can't pick and choose your spells. It's just there are upgrades that you buy. You don't have to choose them. You don't have to choose one over the other. It's just this one is better. You equip it after you buy it. <laughs> you know, with mm -hmm. in-game gold that you've earned. Mm. It also has a lot of the same downfalls as Puzzle Quest. Like, the, you know, there are some games, like some rounds, where you'll go in and you're just doomed from the start. You can't get more than, like, two glyphs matched up at a time, which means you do nothing with your spells. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when when these enemies start getting into the realm of, you know, several thousand hit points, it's just, you're not going to win when the game decides that you aren't going to win. But, you know, I mean, what I do like about it, it's it's very charming. It has, you know, a really unique, almost wood-carved look art style that I really appreciate. It has, like, a the music has a nice Celtic feel, although what I will say is that there is only one song, so after having played it for several hours, <laughs> I cannot hear that song again. Yeah. The, the Probably the strongest point of it is... The sense of humor. The game doesn't take itself seriously at any point, and the writing is actually really clever. All of the quests that you go on have a little bit of flavor text that you can that you can read. Um, for example, there's there's a location, Tomb of the Night, and it it reads, "Here marks the final resting place of bold Sir Bruce. Over there is where he hosts line dancing, and then you fight a bunch of undead m monsters." There's another one. And I'm not sure if this was a euphemism or not, intentionally. It's called Woody Hole. <laughs> um, now, I mean, normally I would call that a glory hole, but, you know, this is supposed to be medieval, so they probably didn't have 
that terminology back then. I think every hole in the Middle Ages was probably for glory. Well, they might not. They probably didn't call it a glory hole, though. Okay, fine. <laughs> Legend tells of a hollow deep in the forest. It is one of the dullest legends ever told. It doesn't take itself seriously, and that's appreciated. It doesn't have any of that, you know, dumb, like, medieval, boring crap that a lot of RPGs like to do. But the, the whole experience is really marred by that that $1.99 charge that they snuck in. Yeah. I was I was playing a game this week that was, did the exact same thing. It was a game from M2, who worked for Sega. They do they did all their, like, 3DS, 3D classic ports, mm-hmm. which were really great. Uh, and I missed the window on reviewing any of those for this podcast. But uh, they had a game on the iPhone. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to support these guys. I think they do awesome stuff. And I downloaded it, and it was free. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Ad revenue, I guess, is how they keep it going. But um, it's the weirdest little game where you, like, little girls and you fight with hair. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> You do one battle in the tutorial, and then it's like, now pay and play the wow. actual game. And I was like, nope. I paid for Knights in Pen and Paper up front, knowing it was $3, right. but knowing it was a slightly more substantial game than I'm usually get playing on iOS. And I was, I was cool with it. They don't ever really bug you for microtransactions. I mean, you can do them, but they're, you almost have to go looking for them. Well, they, they don't exist at all in GlyphQuest beyond the initial... $1.99. Like, you can't buy the upgrades even if you want to. You have to earn them. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. But, you know, I, I, I do have to wonder, like, about this business model. Because when I was when I downloaded GlyphQuest, I was looking for something free. I didn't feel like paying money. And I probably wouldn't have paid $1.99 for it up front. Because, I mean, it hasn't really... Like, I haven't seen a lot about it. That was really the first I heard of it. And what sucked me in was the art style. Because I'm just... I don't know. Mm. Like, I'm a sucker for beautiful artwork. It's interesting, sure. definitely. It's like it's like anime wood carvings. Yeah, it's it's a weird amalgamation of the two things. The game gets significantly better beyond the trial period. Oh. Because initially, you just you only have a handful of glyphs to play with, and the upgrades that you buy among those number additional glyphs. So that gives you the ability to chain additional spells together. And the game gets fun when you start combining spells, because that's when it becomes intelligent. That's when it's not just, oh, well, I have more wind glyphs available, so let's go with wind now to get a more powerful spell. It's, well, if I combine fire and shadow, it creates a smog cloud in front of my enemy, and they can't see, so they might miss me when they attack. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and that's where the strategy in the game actually comes in. Like, other than that, yeah. it's a very basic, very casual experience. Yeah, I feel a little bit different about it now, having heard that, because up to the point when you have to pay the $2, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of just a cheap, not nearly as good as Puzzle Quest clone. And, you know, it never gets as good as Puzzle Quest. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. I like the art better than Puzzle Quest. Now, which would you say is better, Puzzle Quest or Candy Crush Saga? I've never played Candy Crush Saga, and I never will. <laughs> Those rat bastards. Yeah. So normally what um, you do if you want to have like a, a free game and then a paid version is you put them up separately. Let people download, you know, RuneQuest Lite, and then you let them play a few levels, and then it goes, okay, well, if you want to play more, you can pick up RuneQuest Elite. Otherwise, you can just play this again. Yeah. I think that that's obviously more honest. That would be the non-shitty way to do it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't do it that way. Can can I can I ask th- that guy, the guy who developed this game? Can I ask him to be on the show? It's it's just one guy who did it. Like I I want to ask oh. him about his about his business practices. Okay. Yeah, that's a I good idea. I want to call him out on air. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I've... maybe present it to him with a little bit more of a friendly slant. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Would you consider yourself a dick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure once you email him. And he's like, oh, let me check these guys out before I say yes. And then here's this. He's going to be thrilled. No, Alexander Trowers, I promise to be kind. Your game is a whore. <laughs> I, did, I, did compare it to, I did compare it to a classy prostitute. That's <laughs> true. All right, so can we uh, hear about a little bit of classical gaming? Oh, well, if, if that's what you're into. Oh, I'm into that. I'm about to <laughs> blast your past. All right. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> are, you're, are you saying you're blasting what's behind me? Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's oh how my. it works, right? Does, does, does Natalie know about this? If she's in the next room, she does now. <laughs> okay. Well, I can tell you that having experienced it in my past, you did an excellent job. <laughs> Oh, hey, what's up? I'm Button, he's Russell. Okay, Chicks, this new Game Boy game. Hey, cool box. I mean, he doesn't get it, but here's what you do. You gotta keep thinking, right? Because you gotta box him. And then he makes this little box, and then you close it in. Whoa, level five. Yes. It doesn't even have any eyes. I know, it's weird, but it sees you, right? Duck. Then this little Mario guy comes out and he starts singing to you. Weird. Kicks for Game Boy. I give it an A. This is going to strike some people as odd, but I am reviewing Kicks, a game that was released uh, for the Nintendo Game Boy in May of 1990. I got it recently on the 3DS eShop for $3. So, let me be frank here. I love Kicks. I have always loved Kicks. When I was 12 years old, my friend Will and I, we made this 500-page comic about our favorite Game Boy characters, because they were the only video game systems we had at the time. So we took all the different characters from all the Game Boy games we had, and we made a 500-page comic book, and Kix was in there. Nice. Each panel was one page, if that makes you you feel any better. Okay. I I was feeling like a bit of a slouch for my Kirby comic book that I did (laughs) when I was 12. Uh Uh-huh. Because it wasn't 500 pages, but I had multiple drawings per page. We literally two years in a row, bought a ream of paper, and f- every single page used up for a comic. <laughs> so what so, happened to this comic book? Um, the first one, he might still have. He did the first one. The second one, my sister still has to this day, and it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to get Aislinn to, to put this up on the Facebook page. Yeah, right. Scan off however many pages. So, okay. Back to Kicks. Kicks is a simple puzzle game where you move your cursor around, drawing lines to fence off portions of the screen until you overtake the required percentage to complete the level. It's pretty much Gal's Panic without the Japanese booby girls. <laughs> um, so the titular Kicks is your enemy. It's this simple vector-based series of lines that represent an energy field, and it moves around the screen in unsettling ways. Kix's movements seem random until you venture out into the open spaces of the screen. You see, 
you're vulnerable until you complete a full shape, make a full s square or whatever. And, and Kix knows it, man. From across the screen, that thing will suddenly shift, make a beeline for your tiny little avatar, and if it connects to you or your unfinished line, zap. Your toast, whatever area of the screen you were working to complete, is once again property of the all-knowing, all-seeing Kix. To make matters worse, there are these little sparks that travel along the lines you're creating. You have no actual defense against either them or the kicks, so quick thinking is and slick maneuvers are your only protection. Needless to say, 12-year-old me never got very far in kicks. Okay, fine, I still haven't, but <laughs> I, I, I rarely even get to this day to the first cutscene that shows Mario... <laughs> In a sombrero and a poncho, playing acoustic guitar for a vulture sitting on a cactus. <laughs> uh, I'm just too impulsive, you know. It, it's it's a game based on patience and my impulsive nature. Like I, I I don't I can't do it, which explains why I still have an unopened collector's edition of Bravely Default sitting on my shelf. What? With no solid plans to open it. Yeah, it was definitely that version anyway, Impulse Spy. So anyway, like any good puzzle game, the further you get in kicks, uh, the harder it gets. Uh, the kicks itself and the sparks get faster, the required percentage of the screen ownership higher, and worst of all, there are additional kickses. Now, kicks was originally an arcade game by Taito in 81, 1981, for those of you not old enough to remember. And it's been ported <laughs> to just about every platform since. Um, the Game Boy version that I played and have been playing off and on for, you know, 25 years or whatever, <laughs> is pretty hideous by anyone's standards. You know, the only sounds in the game are these disquieting and eerily graceful movements of the kicks. Well, that and racist Mario's acoustic guitar song. <laughs> but um in keeping with the shitty beers is he drinking a corona? No, unfortunately, they got to keep it clean. Come on. This oh, is Nintendo. So, I don't really highly recommend this version of the game to anyone who like me, you know, I have really fond memories of it. But if you don't have that nostalgia, I'd try to find a prettier version. No version is truly pretty. It's it's a very basic looking game, but for me kicks it's just a, it's a piece of my own personal history, and it's a great puzzle game, to be honest. The gameplay is there. If you're judging strictly by the gameplay, it's a solid game. Um, the eShop price, $3, is just right. So, a lot of I like it buts in that review, but, you know, that's how mine usually go. <laughs> so, if we wanted to spell the name of this game, how would we do that? QIX. Okay. I kept thinking of that god-awful cereal the whole time that you were oh doing your review. Yeah, it's like yeah. all my mom bought the first like 10 years of my life. I know, right? <laughs> I think that's just the cereal moms buy. Yeah, so on the weekends when I'd go to my grandma's house, I'd get all the crazy crap. You know, I'd get a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal, which was disgusting Whoa. as well. But Yeah, you said you hated that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awful, but I bought it all the time. Because it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cereal. See, I actually liked it. <laughs> Ugh, so and you gross. got the Ninja Turtles comic books in that? Um, I guess. I don't remember that. There were three comic books. It was a three-part story. 
And I had parts two and part three, but not part one, so I had no idea how it ever began. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that's like how uh, like weird episodes of like X Files start. Like, <laughs> yeah. like in the middle of the story, and you're like, "How do we get there?" The only cereal toy I still have is my Donkey Kong from Donkey Kong cereal from 1982. Yes, kids, I'm that old. Donkey Kong cereal? That was a thing. Yeah, it was pretty much Captain Crunch. Like, you know how Captain Crunch cereal looks like barrels? Yeah. It was pretty much the same crap. I remember Nintendo's cereal system. <laughs> well, that's different. That had the two side, the Mario side and the Zelda side. Yeah, and Mario was gross and Zelda was rad. <laughs> Man, I remember Star Wars, C-3PO's, uh, E.T. cereal, Mr. T. cereal, freaking strawberry shortcake cereal. I ate I, all that crap. I still eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's not bad. I'd do Cokie Crisp if the, the mood strikes me. Yeah, I, I, I still eat that sometimes, too. I really like Grape Nuts. <laughs> I like them as well. I, I, I have Cinnamon Toast Crunch on top of my fridge right next to the Grape Nuts. Well, Wegman's generic Grape Nuts. This and other news in our new podcast reforming. <laughs> <laughs> Serial Weekly. <laughs> do we do... What would we call the retro review cereal segment the faded box <laughs> i don't know we can work on it we can work on it yeah yeah, yeah. Stages. it's okay our, our our breakfast podcast is a still work in progress i skip like half of breakfast foods though i yeah, i skip breakfast a lot i yeah breakfast is like a banana <laughs> all right well i guess that's about it for this episode march 1st is our next episode We'll be talking about Bravely Default. Yeah, and uh, Emrys is going to be tackling Final Fantasy VI for our portable pass. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a Square Enix uh, bonanza. I'll see if I can find something on iOS by Square Enix that doesn't cost twenty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, really. The Final Fantasy VI is on iOS right now, but it's it's expensive and it's hideous. It looks mm. like a doo doo burger. Yeah. <laughs> I will refrain from commenting on the graphics of the new uh, mobile one until my review. But okay. Early reports indicate doo-doo burgers. <laughs> <laughs> McDoodoos. Join us again on March 1st. In the meantime, go to popularoutcast.com, click on the purple Amazon banner after clearing your cookies, or if you're using Chrome, going into incognito mode, or using a browser that you don't normally use, or clearing your cookies. Any of those things will work. Then do your shopping on Amazon like you'd normally do, and the popular outcasts get a small cut of your purchase at no additional charge to you. That almost rhymed. That was well done. Well, you know, yeah. I'm just, I'm an MC. You spit that shit raw, man. You're the Will Smith of this podcast. I'm getting jiggy with it. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, at PortablePowerFM. Facebook.com slash Portable Power Podcast and Portable Power Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, write to us, rate us, and review us on iTunes. Send Please. us game requests or just yeah. engage with us in any way. We'd love to hear from you. We will review basically any game that you request, regardless. <laughs> Last episode proves that. <laughs> Would we review that game that involves touching witches who go to high school for DS? I would review that game in a heartbeat. I want to play the witch-touching game. Will you review that game for next episode? I would need to get a hold of it somehow. We could get Senran Kagura Burst. Look it up.
I was gonna review that, and I never did. Don't. No, it's not out yet. Oh, I thought that it was. It's probably another one in the series. So back to Serial. No, okay. <laughs> I don't have anything more to say. I'm gonna go watch TV with my honey. I'm gonna play Bravely Default. I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm gonna have another Budweiser. Alright, well, thanks for listening, and have a great night. We'll see you on March 1st. It's King of Beers America.